All righty. Greetings one, greetings all. Greetings here, greetings far, greetings to, greetings fro. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, Richard. Man, this is fun. <laughs> I can only imagine what you're referring to. This is it the call-in, is it our regular call-in routine that you're finding that, fun? That's fun, but this is why we do it. This is why we do the show for, for days like today. Yeah, I, I promoted our gathering of experts tonight by offering um, anyone who joins a complimentary hush money payment. So, two dozen, he, There's two dozen accounts, so this, I, I don't know. Like, could this all be Stormy Daniels, or is there something else here? Um, I don't know. Well, I haven't seen anything else. I haven't seen any, I, I mean, maybe you've seen something, but I haven't seen anything to indicate that there are charges that would relate to anything other than the Stormy Daniels. They say, this, they, they say uh, New York Times, uh, let's see, more than two dozen accounts. They say it's, uh, let's see. Two dozen counts, right? Accounts, yeah. Counts of the indictment. Yeah, so there's 24 right. charges. Right, right, right. Got it. At least 24 charges. More than 30. Jim Scudo of CNN says more than 30. The New York Times says two dozen. I'll look. Jim Scudo says more than 30 related to business fraud. So here's what I think happened. They probably started investigating his business. They probably found like a million different things that they probably did wrong. I don't think this can all be from uh, uh, Stormy Daniels. Well... Impossible to know because we don't have the indictment itself. It's sealed. Yeah. And the only reason we know that an indictment was, I mean, technically this is not even supposed to be public information yet. No, Alvin <laughs> um, It's Bragg, just that Alvin, it's reported, you know, by leaks. Alvin Bragg released a statement. I, I oh, did he? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Alvin Bragg. Uh, yeah, I, I saw it. I forget where I saw it. I'm it down. Uh, but he said, like, you know, the Trump is going to, he said we're, uh, Let's see here. Yeah, because the, once an indictment is issued by a grand jury, the prosecutor then still yeah. has to take additional action to actually. No, no, it's it's, it's on Alvin Bragg's. Alvin Bragg has a Twitter account, and that's it's on sort of statement attributable to a spokesperson. This evening, we contacted Mr. Trump's attorney to contract, co- coordinate a surrender to the Manhattan DA's office for arrangement on a Supreme Court indictment which remains under seal. Guidance will be provided when the arrangement date is selected. Right, that's so official. Yeah, I have a, I have a betting market. You know, I have the CFBI betting market. I know, yeah, when I saw that, I went and I closed the market. Yeah, don't close on, uh, don't close on the news reports, but on the official thing. All right, but I I think I'm understanding the criminal procedure here correctly, but maybe I'm not. My understanding was that once an indictment, once a grand jury moves to indict or votes to indict, the indictment is still not yet brought until the prosecutor takes additional action. Isn't that right? Well, I mean, I, I don't know exactly. Like a grand jury can indict without the prosecutor then actually moving forward with the I, mean, the pro- I, think, I think so, but it uh, looks like, I mean, it looks like they are. So it looks like a good point. Because the, um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. The parents, the prosecutor- the, remember the John Bonet Ramsey case? Uh-huh. It came out years later that the parents in the John Bonet Ramsey case, who were always under suspicion as potential suspects in the murder of John Bonet Ramsey, had been indicted by a grand jury, but the prosecutor didn't, the DA didn't move to actually bring 
forth the charges. So you can be indicted by a grand jury, but the prosecutor then can still, it's still up to the prerogative of the prosecutor to actually carry forth the bringing of the charges. I mean, I'm not explaining that in a precisely lucid way. But uh-huh. I don't know. It's, uh, I guess we can work under the assumption that the indictment is in progress and pending and has actually been brought given the statement from Alvin Bragg. Um, but in other words, th- this wasn't announced through a, like, through a press release or through a statement as you would see and like when the Department of Justice or something announces that an indictment has been filed, right? It came through reporting based on sources at the DA's office or at the courthouse or something. It wasn't like through a, an official means that the news was publicized. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm just looking at stuff. I'm just, I'm, I, I've been, I'm telling Your you. Your sound is not great at the moment for me. Uh, sorry about that. But yeah, I'm just, I'm just, uh, uh, well, he's going to be indicted. I mean, whatever. I don't know if you you ask the jury. It's like, no, it's like, yeah, you ask the jury, you ask the grand jury, and then they indict, right? And then like, you say no. Like, why did you ask them that? It's the prosecutor who asked them. Um. Well, yeah. I mean, the, obviously, the vast majority of the time, <laughs> it's because the prosecutor wants to be able to bring the charges or wants to initiate the prosecution. But once the when the grand jury votes to indict it's not like an automated process where that somehow launches the prosecution into motion it has to be then okay initiated by the prosecutor in a separate okay action. well that well that looks like it's happened right well yeah i mean that probably has happened at this point given given the statement from the da's office yeah yeah so what do you think is going to happen? you think this is going to tear at the fabric of our democracy? Or does um, it say what is the, what is the, what is the old net effect on democracy? Well, I mean, there are always these nightmarish scenarios that people have about, like, these MAGA rioters absolutely going berserk and, like, launching a nationwide insurrection and taking over public buildings and that was prophesied even before January 6th as something that would just become the norm. And post-January 6th, there was, there's almost like a craving that's out there for this to happen in some fashion. It never seemed particularly plausible to me because the sort of core support base of the Republican Party and of Trump is like overweight retirees who watch a lot of TV. Which is not like <laughs> not the most activated, energized sort of rally, uh, rallying or rioting demographic. So I don't think you'll see like cities burning or anything. I think it'll just be a lot of drama and intrigue, and the former president will continue to receive overall probably more coverage in aggregate <laughs> than the incumbent president, which is itself sort of a historically unique phenomenon. Um, and I guess that'll just intensify. Yeah, I think I think you're I think you're right. Uh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I just I'm kind of I I'm already bored. I'm like preemptively bored with the, the like the 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 parlor game of trying to make conjectures and do this like speculative 
thing about, you know, is this, does this help or hurt Trump? Well, I don't know. Neither do you. Nobody knows. It's just like it's hard. I mean, maybe I'm just sort of disinclined in general about getting into this pundit prognostication ritual. But it just seems like doubly useless um, now because, like, how do, how do you even begin to create some sort of, like, predictive paradigm that would give you any insight into how this would work for an election, like, a year from now? Or I don't know. People can people can predict stuff. People can play this game. Well, they can, and I have the, and then I can just dismiss them as wasting their time and wasting everybody's yeah. time. I don't know. If we, if we enjoy it, some of us enjoy it, and if we're enjoying it, are we really wasting our time? Yes, yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are, because I'm the ultimate arbiter of whether time has been wasted. <laughs> it's our hobby. It's a it's a pastime. I think it's I think it's fun. It's fun, and you want to. You have a model of the way the world works, and then you sort of want to test that model. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is great. I think it's healthy. Um, I would find it healthy if there was something that was more binding about it. Like if you couldn't be in the media anymore if you were chronically wrong. No, I mean you can you can put your you can put your uh, people at betting markets, or you can put your uh, reputation out there, and people can see people can. I know, but it doesn't seem like anybody ever really incurs much reputational cost for being wrong. It's just like, uh, oh, let's just. Barrel on forward with our further yeah, I predictions. They, I think they do. I mean, when like when people say, uh, you know, like people who predicted Trump, they get a little bit of a uh, you know bump out of it. And people like Nate Silver when he said Trump could win, and then other people who said Trump can't win, you know, they got a little bit of a you know they felt bad. And then Nate Silver in this election also did well in the twenty twenty two. He was less you know optimistic about the Republicans. Wait, wait, so. wait. So Nate Silver gets credit because he said Trump could win in the sense that his model in two thousand sixteen gave Trump. Like a twenty-one percent chance of winning, right? Yeah, so because like he didn't give him a zero or yeah, a thirty. Well other, well, other people gave him a one. That's what is, that's that's the problem. Those people were very wrong. Um, but anybody who gave Trump a, more, a greater than zero percent chance of winning could claim vindication in that regard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he did. So it's like uh, nothing's ever falsifiable. I mean, no, I just, Trump has a one percent yeah, chance of winning, and if the one percent chance happens, then right. you still allowed that for that possibility, right? Because you watch over time, right? You see how people do over time. There's a, there's entire form. There's entire pollsters. They, they they keep track of pollsters election by election, and then they see how they do, right? So they have grades, and then you can look at the five thirty eight model itself, right? It's it's doable. I mean, if you if you demand that, I just think it's fun. I don't I don't care. Even if we could didn't keep track, I'd still enjoy it. But you you can keep track. Yeah, I understand why people enjoy it. I understand why it's like a fun pastime. I just find increasingly that it just sucks up so much mental energy and resources at the expense of like other potentially useful things that those mental resources could be expended uh, toward. Yeah. Well, but maybe, to maybe I'm overthinking it. This is election season, so get used to it. This is going to be. It's not election. That's the thing. It's not election season. No, it's really is, not. <laughs> it's, it's still a year until there's any elections at all. No, presidential elections last. Uh, I think. I think. Well, that's the thing. I mean, people, people. Yeah, I mean, if if you buy into the premise that an election season, quote unquote, <laughs> is like three years long, so you only get a year off, if that, from an election season, then yeah, it's almost like a permanent election season. Yeah, so there's, it's not, there's a not like a cause... there's not like a neat demarcation between election season versus non-election season. Yeah, there's at least eighteen months, I think. Uh, 2024. But no, it's Trump, man. Trump is going to be the Trump is going to be the uh, the new story until until he croaks. Yeah, that's true. Um, he's not going to be out of the limelight for any significant period of time. So, I mean, 
let's, I guess, do a little bit of pundit prognosticating because I'm just going to backtrack on everything I said for the last seven minutes. Um, or, I mean, let's not even make it, try to guess what this could, what effect this could have on some election in, you know, February of next year, like the Iowa caucus or something. I mean, that's, that's pointless. But like in terms of the short term political impact, elections aside, what, what effect do you think it would have? I mean, is it going to be, I mean, I guess some of the initial reaction I've seen, and it's very preliminary, but it's sort of going to maybe harden elements of support for Trump among the Republican Party who see this as sort of an affront and a partisan, just, uh, you know, quote-unquote witch hunt. But at the same time, you could also see it solidifying the skepticism of certain elements of the Republican coalition who, whatever the merits or demerits of this particular charge or charges, just don't feel that it's necessary to be embroiled in the drama of Trump any longer. Yeah, um... I think, you know, the people, the sort of conventional wisdom has become it's going to help him. Um, you know, maybe in the short run it does, but, you know, you know, if Republicans care about the electability part, and I don't think, and this is, it looks like it's going to be a huge indictment. It's not just Stormy Daniels. I mean, we thought it'd be like one thing, but there could, it seems like there could be some things. And, you know, some of those things probably have a lot of evidence behind them. I mean, as long, to the extent that moves anybody, or at least it's going to make people think that, okay, Trump's going to probably be convicted of something. And in that case, like, you know, if Republicans care about electability and they're not completely detached from reality, that's going to matter in the general election. People are just going to be sick of Trump by 2024. My God, even if Republicans aren't. Um, and then the thing I always say is the other indictment is probably coming. There's going to be one in Georgia. And then so like one, you know, he seems like a martyr. Like two, it's like, OK, this guy is like legal, serious legal problems. Um, and that's all he's going to be. And then I think in that case, I think it hurts him. I think the Trump fatigue sets in, and then I think people are going to, you know, going to want to be talking to him. They're going to want to win. Um, and so I think it probably hurts him, especially if the Georgia one comes. And how do you define hurts versus helps? Just like, like if more ultimate voting like, outcome in the Iowa yeah. caucus or, or well, in terms of like out. level of endorsements that Trump receives from no, Republican it, it, elected it, it, officials or donors? Or like, how do you even evaluate? Hurt versus help. It's, um, I mean, uh, the ultimate measure is the primary win or lose. I'm not, you know, worried about, you know, uh, Iowa specifically. Uh, but no, you, you guess based on your, like, sort of read of the Republican Party and, you know, your understanding of the dynamics of public opinion and sort of like what the voters want and what's going to happen. I don't know. It's just, it's fun. I, I don't have a high degree of confidence in this. Yeah. Um, well, I guess, uh, barring f additional information that the scope of the indictment is far broader than we had been led to believe, and it's not just having to do with Stormy Daniels, and it's like also an array of like vastly more serious stuff, you know, maybe some treason sprinkled in, or insurrection, or money laundering, or whatever. All, all like the grab bag of stuff that the most ardent Trump opponents have been fantasizing about for seven years barring that and just assuming that there's you know lots of charges that has to specifically do with the campaign finance matter stemming from the stormy daniels episode i mean 
it is a breach of a norm to charge a former president or a president or a former president with a crime, right? It, that's the first time that it'll have happened in U.S. history. And I talked about this on a Twitter spaces a little while ago that somebody invited me to do, and I was just sort of thinking aloud. And I think, again, just assuming that this really is about Stormy Daniels and the whole sort of circle of issues that derive from that episode, then I, I think it's to, to breach the norm. I mean, you, norms can be breached justifiably or not, right? Or in other words, it can be justifiable in theory to breach a norm. Like the norms are not sacred, um, despite what a lot of the antagonists of Trump had been posturing about for a long time, as though he was this unprecedented norm violator and was shaking the foundations of democracy and what have you. Um, but if this is really, if, this, if Stormy Daniels, if a seven-year-old campaign finance charge that somehow got reinterpreted and transposed from federal election law onto state election law and then they combine misdemeanors into a felony or something, if that really is the basis for reaching the norm of not bringing criminal charges against a former president and... This is now the watershed event that leads to that norm being being breached. I don't know. I feel like there's a pretty reasonable argument to be made that it's sort of a dereliction of public duty, or by, by the the prosecutors. I mean, by the by those who would support this breaching of the norm, because you would think it would have to be a fairly sort of seismic crime to make that leap, right? So if Trump really was guilty of treason, like if he actually did collude with Russia, um, if he did actually foment an insurrection, um, and that could be legally established, and you can get through whatever constitutional hurdles to bring a charge of that magnitude, or something that actually like you know cuts to the core of the constitutional order, then you could see, you know, it being potentially warranted to breach the norm for the first time. But if it's really just about some convoluted reinterpretation of federal campaign finance law that's then transported into New York state law, that 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 did it, that sort of, you know, crossed the threshold, then um, it seems like probably another instance of overreach by Trump's opponents – who have this like psychic need to rain punishment down on Trump because of the absurdly outsized role that they played and he played in their psyches for, for seven years rather than you know, any kind of like, you know, sober. I was, uh, yeah. So interpret, I was you know, if, to, yeah, go ahead. I was listening to the New Yorker podcast and it was just, you know, they're just typical resistance liberal. And they were talking about this case in New York, and even they were like saying, like, this is a legal stretch. This is a very you know weak case, the Stormy Daniels thing. So I took that as okay, yeah, this is probably. But that being said, I mean, twenty-four or thirty different counts. I mean, there's a good possibility that uh, you know there's something much more there. Uh, so we'll just we'll just see. But is, has there been any indication beyond the, the sheer number of charges that it has anything to do with? Something other than the Stormy no, Daniels thing? Well, like, besides the number, I mean, the, I don't think you can get 30. Unless, you know, they, char- I, I, you know, sometimes 
like they'll you know the same crime will be the same thing will be like a few different crimes but like i don't know how you get to 24 or 30 uh if that one thing i, I you know i think there must be something else well i think there could be like lots of different you know theoretically fraudulent business records that all relate to stormy Daniels. Stem, I mean, it's well yeah i mean i don't know something to that effect but I don't know. I, I, I th- don't you think there would have been probably there would have probably been reporting that they had branched out into like a whole different new realm of Trump's affairs at some some point over the past five years in this particular grand jury. Uh, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, yeah. Like I, I, you know, I just follow prosecutions. You never see. I mean, you do see this piling on, but you don't see. You don't see 30. I mean, you don't see 30 for one thing. I mean, it would be very, very strange thing. But we'll see. Like Paul Manafort, how many charges? You know, like I'm trying to think, like, you know, most charges in a federal, in a, most charges in an indictment in history. Uh, like how, uh, you know, there was one guy who was charged with 100. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. We'll see. Uh, yeah, if, if you're right, if it's just Stormy Daniels and it's just this thing. Manafort was charged with 18... Manafort had 18 charges against him in his indictment. Yeah. And Manafort, how, like, how many years was he not playing... Like, he must have like not filed like many different tax returns and done a lot of different stuff, right? Yeah, and it's, it's stemmed from like the whole sort of... The same sort of range of issues. It wasn't some... Just sort of grab bag of different charges from, like, different subject areas. It was all related to his tax affairs. Yeah, but this is just one payoff to one woman one time, right? This is not, a, like, a thing. The taxes, which is a year, you know, thing that is continuous forever. Uh, and also, since when is it illegal to... I mean, this idea that this should even be under such massive legal scrutiny for five years is itself finance. questionable? I mean, paying, quote-unquote, hush money is not unto itself illegal. Like, it's not a crime to pay hush money. Hush money is not even a legal term. That's just, like, the colloquial way of referring to what was apparently done. Stormy Daniels herself denies that she had any kind of relationship with Trump. I mean, yes, she does. she she does. I saw an interview with her. She talked about them having sex. She denied it. Here, I'll I'll, I'll pull up. not, Not now. Maybe she denied it at one point. She doesn't deny it now. Well, no, she denied it as of 2022. I'll, I'll pull it oh, up. Sure March 21, 2022. Uh-huh. Um, I never said it. Here's a replying to Michael Cohen. <laughs> Whoa, I never said it was an affair. I have said over and over again that he cornered me coming out of a bathroom. Well, I guess to him that isn't an affair. seems to be his pattern. There was a 60. Look, I remember it now. It was a 60 minutes interview with Anderson Cooper. Um, it was long ago, and she was talking about the experience. Uh, let me see this. Maybe she, like, now says something different? Uh, but this is August 22, 2018. Stormy Daniels was on Anderson Cooper. I remember I watched this, and she talked about it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's impossible to know what her deal is. I mean, not that it matters much anyway. Uh-huh. But she also wrote a, a letter in 2018 saying, to whom it may concern, over the past few weeks I have been asked countless times to comment on, an, on reports of an alleged sexual relationship I had with Donald Trump many, many years ago. 
The fact of the matter is that each party to this alleged affair denied its existence in 2006, 2011, 2016, 2017, now again in 2018. Okay, what day, what day in 2018? Um, what day? Yeah. Because I'm guessing it's before the 60 Minutes interview. No, she was asked about it in the 60 Minutes interview in March 2018, and she admitted signing the letter, but she March said it was under pressure. Okay. She, then she appeared on 60 Minutes in August 2018, and she did an interview. So she admitted perjuring herself by signing the letter. <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, who knows? I mean, I think they probably had sex. I, mean, I, I, I don't know. Well, then why is she saying in 2022 that all that happened was that he cornered her at, coming out of a bathroom? Hmm. I don't know. Michael Cohen? I don't know. No, no. This is Stormy Daniels. This is Stormy Daniels on her verified Twitter replying to Michael Cohen. Let me see. Send correcting it. him. Here, I'll send, I'll, 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 send, I'll send it to you. Yeah, okay. here, here, look at it. I just sent it to you. Okay. I never saw okay. He did have the defeated guy, former guy's Like he's, she's denying Cohen's claim that it's a well-established established fact that she had an affair with Stormy Daniels. She's saying, whoa, I never said it was an affair. I said over and over that he cornered me coming out of a bathroom. I th- is she talking about Cohen? Wait. Is she, uh, no. no, she's talking about Trump. Uh-huh. Uh, Me you follow of, me? <laughs> well, yeah, but she was talking about being in a hotel room with him. And, like, I think this would have been big. I, something must be wrong because it would have been big news. It was like, you know, Stormy Daniels, if she's now saying that she did it. Uh, yeah. Well, oh, how, oh, how, how, how do you know interpret that, that wait, wait, tweet wait, from her? Still, okay, no, you're, you're right. Um, I have no idea how to interpret this. This is fucking weird. Uh, well, that's what I'm saying. It's like you, it's hard, impossible to know what to believe exactly. Not that it really matters ultimately that much at all whether he had the affair. I mean, people would probably just assume that it's like, likelier than not that he did have it or he had some kind of sexual liaison with her. Like, who cares? I mean, that's the thing. It's not the, the initial sort of impetus for the charge doesn't rise to the level of magnitude or doesn't rise to the level of gravity that you think it would justify the first of its kind bringing of charges against a former president. Because it's like trivial. It's frivolous. Whether or not, you know, after five yeah. years, they can come up with some sort of like allegedly fraudulent yeah. bank record based on some reinterpretation of federal elections law, yeah. which the federal prosecutor has already passed on prosecuting. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, well, so you know, you know, this is campaign finance, right? It's like contribution to the campaign by paying it off. Or so that's, that's the theory. That's the theory. Yeah, the theory. And but then, the Supreme Court has, has, has radically. Um, defanged campaign finance law um, or, you know, campaign finance-related prosecutions yeah, of politicians over the past just several years. I mean, there was a unanimous vacating of <clears throat> the, uh, the charges against Bob, McDan- uh, Bob McDonald, the former governor of Virginia, um, that used, like, a... And the, I mean, and the, the charges against him were a lot more straightforward. It didn't require any novel theory. Really, he just sort of, um, he and his wife had received gifts from a donor 
And then once he was in office, he took public actions that were alleged to be. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, this yeah. is uh, but but these are I mean, these are different cases. I mean, it's a different legal thing. It's it's complicated, but it doesn't mean that all. Uh, it doesn't mean that all campaign uh, finance stuff doesn't, doesn't you know throw it out. It was a very specific. I remember that case. It was a very specific question about uh, like bribery and like whether it could count as bribery, obviously. Whatever, it doesn't matter. But yeah, okay. That's what the, I mean. That's we we uh, we we agree. We agree that if it's just Stormy Daniels and it's that's it, that's um, you know legally sort of maybe suspect and also probably uh, not going to be convincing to a lot of people. Um, I guess the question now is, <laughs> so uh, I saw a tweet from DeSantis's official account saying yeah. that Florida would not cooperate with any extradition efforts. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, I guess this is probably ripe to be litigated before the Supreme Court as well, but I thought, isn't there a provision of the Constitution which requires... Uh, reciprocity between states uh, for the extradition of yeah criminals? yeah this is uh i don't know, think it's really been litigated much um but there is a provision yeah. in the constitution that requires that isn't there uh yeah the uh uh yeah i mean th- this is so clearly political he doesn't have a legal leg to stand on i mean i think if DeSantis, i don't know if you could charge him with it you probably can't but i mean there you know there's like uh you know this 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 will be sort of seen as a joke. I don't know. Like it's well, Alan Bragg says the negotiations are surrender. So if like DeSantis won't hand over Trump, well, Trump just like make the feds come and well, the feds wouldn't come and get him, right? This would be actually very confusing. This would be a very gray area. This would be a very strange thing. Uh, well, no. So, I mean, like, so the to, so the New York District Attorney's Office would what, send <laughs> New York State Police to Mar-a-Lago? No, he can't. He can't do that. Uh, then how would how would they work? How would they? I don't know. a fugitive. I have no idea. It would be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Like, because, and and like, a federal government really doesn't have an option here. The federal government, like, cannot force a state to do something that's specifically, like, you know, if it's the federal state disagreement, but if it's a disagreement between states, like, the federal, uh, the federal government, I don't think, comes in and just, you know, does the uh, work of what they're supposed to do. Um, I think, I mean, I, I think New York, I mean, or, or at least the district attorney's office could, could could file, like, an emergency petition to the Supreme Court or something, couldn't they? The who? Well, I mean, I don't like know. Like, the New York, the, the Manhattan district attorney, if Florida refused to comply with extradition efforts, it, it, could they could file work, they, they could file some sort of emergency petition at the Supreme Court, couldn't they? Uh, you know, it's very, it's a complicated because there's this thing called, jur- you know, there's jurisdiction. Like, what can a Supreme Court hear? And, like, what's the basis of the lawsuit? And it's it's complicated. Well, interstate disputes is firmly within the purview of the Supreme Court. Yeah, but, you know, yeah, but, like, there has to be a, a remedy, right? So, you, can, you know, I guess you could say, yeah, I, guess, I mean, I guess, but this, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, uh, and so they would. Uh, huh. So I'm thinking they would. They would. They would find him. They would say, "Okay, he has to. Yeah, he has to head over. You know, he has to head over. He has to cooperate." And they would say, "I guess this is okay. I, I guess that's right." But I, I feel like there's something. There's something iffy here. I feel like there's something that's kind of gray area. Yeah, I mean, there definitely is gray area. It's not a well litigated. It's not well litigated terrain. So it's not like there's clear. Um, precedent to cite one way or another yeah um 
Anyway, I guess uh, let's uh, see what some of the callers have to say. Brian? Hello, gentlemen. Okay. Hello. So th- what's fun about the uh, case... I is- should, Hold on, hold on. I have to interrupt. Brian's avatar looks to be Donald Trump being crucified. Yes, it's quite a work of art. Is that... Is that did you just change your avatar for t- tonight's events, or has that long been your Fiery. avatar? No, it's been there for a while. You got uh, Nancy well, Pelosi jabbing. Well, the the relevance the relevance is very uh, very much enhanced by tonight's event. So, congratulations on your on your timing. Thank you. I'll kick us off. Uh, just commenting. It's uh, fun because uh, this case is just scratching the surface. Here we we've got uh, you know the hundred and fifty thousand dollar payment to a porn star for the, the campaign finance violations. Meanwhile, you've got the Middle Easterners funneling him tens and hundreds of millions of dollars through the, the Live Golf Tour. So I'm sure the Middle Easterners would be fine saying... Saudis, you mean, right? I'm sorry? You said Middle Easterners. Are you talking about the, the Saudis? The Saudi yeah. royal family or something? Yeah, in their Live Golf okay. Tour. Right, yeah. So... You know, you can't take uh, any gifts when you're in office, but when you get out, you can just be flooded with money. Um. Well, yeah, because when you're not in elected office, then you can't take official action to benefit those who are giving you the money. It's just a different right, set of considerations, you, is it not? You could make the actions, and then you could wait a year or two, and then get flooded with money. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, you could cash out. I mean, that's what lots of people do when they are in elected office. They become lobbyists or they become consultants. I mean, that's just sort of a wide, like a trivially widespread practice. That's why lots of people leave Congress because they have more lucrative opportunities to cash out with on the basis of the connections that they forged while they were in office. Yeah, and uh, they're taking it to a whole new level here. We've got Jared Kushner making 50-plus million a year just managing uh, the money. Of the, is it that the Saudi fund as well? Now, is there is there talk of Kushner facing legal scrutiny, or is it just he's being accused, I think probably correctly, of being incredibly sleazy? But sleaze, um, but, but sleaze within the bounds of the law. Yes, it's within the, the bounds of the law, but it's really uh, the problems of our system. But uh, no, I find uh, the, the trial a bit masturbatory uh, as well. Um, I'm sure they're having a field day with it on the, the news networks. But I actually wanted to uh, jump in because uh, I didn't get to chime in last uh, week oh when right you were talk- i yes that's right i and i was uh, i was at the tail end of a marathon session i remember <laughs> ending it before you could get you could speak your speak your truth yes sir you, uh it was about uh, the she and putin meeting and i i thought what was um missing from your conversation was the um the petro one and uh with the uh, Putin en- encouraging uh, African and South American uh, nations uh, to uh, purchase uh, oil now in, in the yuan rather than the, the petrodollar. And I uh, wanted to hear you guys go off on how these 
uh, just wild sanctions that were just uh, placing all across the world, the Venezuela and Iran and Russia and everywhere in between, not, not only sanctioning, but just uh, confiscating people's money, uh, like uh, like the case in Venezuela and, and Russia and how... Or not how just confiscating Russia... people's money, claiming, not just that, right? Claiming that the state assets of Russia can be confiscated as punishment for certain geopolitical infractions, you know, around the war in Ukraine, right? They're, they're testing out, talk about a new legal theory. They're claiming that the sovereign wealth funds of, of Russia can be frozen and seized um, as retribution for the Ukraine war. And, and fucking ourselves in the process, like uh, with the maximal sanctions we, we did on Russia and the, their their industries bounce back and it has minimal effect but um yeah by taking all these actions across the world we're just forcing all of uh of the other players together and we're just our our petrodollar the, the world currency that we're enjoying here for the last uh 50 plus years is um in jeopardy what do you think of that richard Richard, are you there? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Well, I'm sorry. I, I zoned out. What was it? <laughs> Brian, you have it's to restate new, your thesis. Yeah, the new uh, Petro One that uh, our our friends uh, Xi and Putin are pushing now and just the uh, abuses of the financial dominance and are imposing sanctions all across the world is really jeopardizing uh, our currency as being the, the global dominant uh, in the in the future. I don't know much about the I don't know much about this stuff, but I've heard this this theory for years that the sanctions would uh, uh, sort of uh, hurt the dollar's ability to maintain the you know as the currency of the world. I keep hearing that like this big event happened or that event happened, and it never seems to matter. Um, so you know I'm just skeptical until I see sort of you know other other currency sort of challenging it, I, you know, then, then we can think about it. But no, I've got to call this stuff. But, you, but you, say, you say you've been hearing this for years, and maybe there have been variations of this theory floating around for years, but it's only been about a year, meaning since the war in Ukraine started, or the invasion of Ukraine last February, that they, the U.S. has imposed this suite of drastic new sanctions that purport to, among other things, you know, freeze the sovereign, sovereign wealth fund of Russia. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's I, not it's not just like a continuation of the same old sanctions regime. They specifically reintroduced a bevy of entirely new sanctions, specifically tailored to the Ukraine war yeah, last year. That's true. I mean, but they've had sanctions. They have had very comprehensive sanctions on a lot of countries, and the, you know the Europeans went along with this Russian you know sanctions too. So what are you going to use the euro? What's the what's the alternative? Uh, the yuan. I mean, something you know. It's usually there's one reserve currency. And it doesn't seem like there's competitors, so I would just be skeptical that anything's changed. Yeah, it's it's going to yeah, be. I mean, the, I guess the there's a way to there's a way to with the uh, there's a way to potentially tie this to the to the Trump thing in a tangential way. But you know, here, uh, let me know. Tell, tell me what you think of this. I mean, just in a broader political sense, the U.S. having the world's reserve currency sort of. It presupposes that the U.S. is a relatively stable country, right? It's not 
going to be teetering on the verge of collapse or bouncing back and forth between ex- extremes. And although it's just one maybe crack in the facade, to have now a former president and pres- current presidential candidate being charged with a crime or crimes, it does sort of at least give the impression that the you know constitutional order <laughs> is less stable than it might have been pre-Trump. I mean, I think lots of that stuff gets exaggerated usually for partisan reasons, but I also think Trump re- genuinely has been a disruptive quote-unquote force in the sense that he's shaken a lot of the assumptions of how you know American governance is, is uh, structured or constituted and um yeah if you have if you have now the norm being established where former presidents and uh, are being uh, subject to criminal charges and that sort of tears to some degree at the fabric of sort of american sort of civic culture civic life then that's sort of just like one maybe tally in the collection of reasons why it might be the case that the primacy of the U.S. as this sort of gold standard arbiter of global stabilization is uh, that's sort of eroding. Um, but maybe, maybe that's, not, that's not a tangible enough argument. Just like the thought that popped into my head. Yeah, there's certainly uh, a credibility issue uh, with the rest of the world with, when Trump was in office, but I think more so it was the strong foothold of the dollar and the, the global order was chugging along. But just as China has uh, overtaken the United States in terms of um, GDP and, and global trade, um, doing more even with South American countries than the United States, um, at the same time, we're uh, just going overboard, trying to be the policeman with, with the dollar all across the world and punishing people uh, financially. It's just forcing them over to the one, which is, uh, you know, growing as a, the next. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't overstate the significance of I wouldn't overstate the likelihood that the U.S., is about to be supplanted as the possessor of the world's sole um, of the world's reserve currency, but you know there are some cracks in the facade that I think it's worth being at least mindful of. Richard seems to have disappeared, <laughs> possibly prematurely, but maybe he's coming back. Um, and so, Dickie, you're up, and I'll try to wrangle Richard back. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Should, occasional listener, longtime reader of your Twitter feeds. Uh, excellent, appreciate it. Excellent stuff. I, I, I know it's not a flattering thing, but you're like one of the greatest trolls I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, so house. you mean you mean that you mean that as a compliment? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of you, you generally do a very good job of sticking your point and uh, in a very short span of words. So, uh, uh, kudos to you. Um, no, <laughs> I guess I guess that's a learned skill. Um, even if it seems a bit, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in, it's, inconsequential it's, in the grand scheme of things, but you know, yeah, it's contrite, for, for but, better, but, for, be, for better or worse, the concision that Twitter demands or at least used to demand <laughs> yeah. is something that you can harness for um, for potentially constructive purposes, right? But um, there's one thing uh, I'm not real clear with a grand jury indictment. 
is that is he officially charged with a crime or are they is this a two charging with a crime is this something to tie him up in court well yeah i mean that that's what i was discussing with richard earlier i my understanding of of the criminal relevant criminal procedure is that the mere fact of the grand jury voting to indict doesn't actually initiate the prosecution of trump right the prosecutor still has to file the charges he's just been now granted the license to do so by the grand jury so yeah and so ultimately this could just be a political stunt maybe you get the standoff with trump that'd be perfect for you know what but um i think wouldn't you have imagined if 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 this is a grand conspiracy right which i i think there probably is a lot of truth that they that the establishment democrat side and some of the Republicans would like to see Trump go away. Wouldn't it have been more effective just to, because coming towards the end of his presidency, they weren't really paying that much attention to him, and he seemed to wane a little bit. And now, every week, there's, you know, uh, it's a, there's a segment on Trump going to be indicted or January 6th or... His- wait, wait, so you're saying that there was... Toward the end of Trump's presidency, there was less attention on Trump. That's not, seemed, I, that's not my memory. I remember January 6th being well, yeah, all anybody can ever think about. Then he was impeached even pri- when he was out of office. Sam, prior to January 6th, there, there wasn't as much press. It didn't seem like it anyway. Like there had been. Mm, like every movie. I don't you, know. <laughs> you, don't, you think, well, and, and I, Wait, and so I you, should, don't, you don't think that his like antics are post- 2020 election where he's bringing up every election fraud theory under the sun. Right, and- right, right. It, it, but but we're, I, it, maybe I shouldn't maybe I shouldn't bring that up because I wasn't really watching the news. I completely got out of news and politics by that time. So smart. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I just didn't. Maybe maybe it was my own perceptions. But wouldn't it have been though collectively a smarter idea to try to just not mention him like like they do with other people you know like there are certain people that they don't mention on you know like they don't mention seymour hearst i mean it's a different the, the parallel is different yeah uh, i mean don't, i don't think you need a cons- i mean i don't think you need a grand conspiracy here i really don't i think the simpler explanation is probably the most accurate one in that you know in 2018 okay letitia james ran for attorney general of new york on an explicit pledge to prosecute Trump. I mean, it was almost unprecedented how explicit she was and how unambiguous she was that she would use the powers of her office as New York State Attorney General to prosecute Trump personally. Her chief deputy was Alvin Bragg, who then got elected in 2021 to be District Attorney of Manhattan. And when Alvin Bragg took office, in 2021, or when he was elected in 2021, there had already been multiple investigations of Trump pending in that office. And then Trump announces he's running for president again last November. That sort of heightens the sense of urgency to sort of follow the thread. Of- Michael, you started, uh, you're, you're breaking up a bit. I don't know if it's me or you. Could somebody like do a thumbs up or something if it's Mike? 
Can you hear me? You just can't hear you. <laughs> well, I'll uh, talk for a little bit. Like I said, I I don't know what the plan was. I and like I said, conspiracies. Uh, you know, the idea that they conspire. I'm sure there's there's rooms that people talk in. Whether or not it's like every Democrat gets in a room in a shed in Idaho or something, I I think that would be <laughs> crazy. But um, there there has to be some collaboration to for all these maneuvers, particularly with his run in 2020 or his run in uh, 2024 coming that we have all this over and over again, uh, attempt to, um, you can, Michael, I don't know whether you know this or not. You can leave, not leave your own room, but you can go out and then come back in as long as you don't go into another room and you might, uh, have your speaker back. Or you might have to start another room. <clears throat> or he might still be talking. <laughs> but it is, I I find it strange. And uh, like most people find strange that they, they just can't leave Trump alone. And then the idea of him being indicted, like it's going to stop his his base. I or I, I mean maybe they're not worried about his base; they're worried about independence. I don't really know, but it definitely looks the part like they're trying to uh, they're trying to put him away, you know, because he's a threat, even though he's he's not. He's just you know he's <laughs> draining the swamp. He's a product of the swamp, so uh, it, it's kind of an hilarious uh, thing. We, you, you hear that analogy. 